Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. We'll be looking back at England's 4-3 T20 series win over Pakistan in their first tour of the country in 17 years, and we'll hear from stand-in captain Moeen Ali. Full-time England white ball captain Joss Butler joins us to look ahead to this month's T20 World Cup in Australia and discuss the latest on his return from injury. Nottinghamshire head coach Peter Moores will join us after they were crowned champions of Division 2, and we'll get his thoughts on Sir Andrew Strauss's high performance review. And we'll end the show by looking back at a dramatic final day of the county championship season as Warwickshire survived thanks to a ninefer, a brilliant, memorable ninefer from Liam Norwell, and Yorkshire were relegated to Division 2. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2. Well, I tell you what, we may go on holiday, um, but the show always goes on. And the breaking news this week is that my partner is in Lanzarote. Yes, I've uh, managed to get away, manners for a week, just to recharge your batteries ahead of the winter. Um, It's been a long summer. It's been a good summer. And it's been a very, very good, for me, it's been an excellent series between England and Pakistan. I think there was more to this series than just cricket. The last time they were there, 17 years ago, I was five stone lighter. <laughs> um, and it's, it, I've really enjoyed it. I have, I've really enjoyed it. And I think the ECB should be proud. I think the England England cricket team individually should be proud. Pakistan as a nation should be proud. So I think they've put a, a fantastic spectacle on. Seven was always going to be a number where you're thinking, oh my word, this could, could go wrong because seven matches is a long, long time. But if they'd just done six, you'd have been desperate for that seventh one. It didn't disappoint. England won 4-3. That was a great stepping stone into the World Cup for both sides. England, I think, are on the right track. I think there's question marks in middle orders of Pakistan, whether they can survive in, in, in Australia in the World Cup. But I think all in all, it's been a great series. So many talking points as well. Funnily enough, uh, yeah, there was always a danger that the series might become one-sided either way. Uh, let's hear from Mo Ali because he he did say that he felt England should have won it six one. To win the way we did um, and losing the toss today and winning um, was was brilliant. I thought actually the whole series we played really well. Um, we lost two games um, when we were chasing lowish scores and didn't manage to win those games, and we were very disappointed with them results. But generally, I thought we played really well in the series and really pleased with the way we played tonight, for sure. And I think the seamers in particular have been bowling really well throughout the whole series on, on difficult wickets against players who, who play well here. And like I said, we were disappointed. Like In the end, we look back and we think we, if we were really on it, we would have probably won 6-1 in the series. Um, so we were disappointed with those, those two in particular. But um, no, no, we're really happy that we've won the series and go to Australia in a good position.
England standing captain Moeen Ali. Very quickly on the subject of Pakistan, it's interesting that uh, Mohammad Rizwan and uh, Babar Azam uh, scored 601 runs in the series between them. The rest of the Pakistan team scored 489. So on the one hand, you can say they're over-reliant on the openers, but what are the middle order supposed to do if the openers keep scoring runs? The openers keep scoring runs. It's a very difficult place to go in that middle order if you're constantly going in in the 15th and 16th over. You've literally got to have your number seven going in then because he's the one that's the one that you think that's going to hit sixes from ball one. So flexibility um, you need in 2020. Babar and, and Rizwan batted beautifully, give England all sorts of headaches. But I think Moen's right. I think he, he, he's right. He seam his ball really well on these surfaces. I thought the two left armers um, who are fighting for that number eight spot in Sam Curran and David Willey both bowled nicely. Uh, Sam would have liked a couple of more wickets, but I think David Willey probably got the better on that side. But Sam probably would say I got the better on the on the batting side when the limited times he did bat. I thought Reese Topley was was very very good. Good to see Chris Wokes back. We aren't a side without Mark. We're we're a completely different side without Mark Wood. Interesting that he didn't play in the last game. I thought he was down to play game five and game seven. So that's a possible concern. But I think when it comes to it, if you've got Mark Wood going into that World T20 and he's fit for for the majority of that tournament, he gives England a chance with the ball. And, and Moen should be proud himself, not just on an individual way, because you know his family got to be proud of him as well. The way he's conducted himself in Pakistan, the way he's led the team, and the way he's he's represented his his family, as well as obviously being England captain in the first tour of Pakistan for seventeen years. I think we've had a fantastic ambassador going into that country, and it's been good on Moen for the way he spoke and the way he's conducted himself. Yeah, he did raise a few eyebrows by uh, suggesting that the food in Lahore wasn't as good as it is in uh, Karachi, but um, never mind that. I'm sure that uh, he was as popular. There was a lovely moment as well for me when the coach, Matthew Mott, said, told Sky TV after the final game that uh, there was much more than just a cricket trip and the people of Pakistan have had it incredibly hard and they've, uh, you know, their the hospitality and the way that they embraced the, the Indian team was absolutely fabulous but I have to ask you about the, the middle order you, you know all the all-rounders and you know does Chris Wokes does he is he competing actually for a, for a place in the starting 11 does it depend on Mark Wood's fitness but what about the middle order Harry Brook I mean he's he just have to play him I think in, based on on this, this series and he's played 11 games for England he's got 303 runs and an average of 43 batting at four or five or, uh, and a strike rate of 151 so Unless England gets special dispensation to play 13, I'm struggling to see where they fit Ben Stokes in. Um, well, they fit Ben Stokes in because he's Ben Stokes. It's a well, I know, I know. Where? <laughs> Look, Harry Brooks in the team. He's in the team. You start, when, for me, when you're picking sides, you, you work with your bankers and you say, right, who is my shoe-ins in this team? And you normally say, you'd normally say Butler, Milan. Milan's been been trying to get Milan out of the team since he was number one <laughs> batsman in the world. It's never going to happen. So Milan's a banker. Moen Ali's a banker. Mark Wood, Ado Rashid, for me, Reese Topley, they're shoe-ins when it comes to it. The interesting thing for me with this team, the way it's been set up in Pakistan, is that they've played the bowling all-rounder at number seven. So Sam Curran's done it six times. David Willey did it at the time that Sam didn't play. So it's the bowling all-rounder that's gone in. But you've got Ben Stokes coming in. So whether England go down the road of saying, right, Ben Stokes is going to bowl, so we might be able to play Ben Stokes as a sort of batting all-rounder instead of that. So everybody moves down one and you get him in the team that way. That means, for me, heels or salt would be at the top alongside Butler. Then you'd have Milan. Then you'd have Stokes. Then you'd have Brook at five, Moen six, and, um, Liam Livingston seven. Then you've got your your batting all, your bowling all rounder of Sam Curran, David Willey, Chris Wokes fighting for that number eight spot. And then you'd have Adil Rashid at nine, Mark Wood at ten, and Reese Topley at eleven. Or if the feelers are still going to go down the road of the bowling all rounder at number seven, then Hales doesn't play. Hales or Salt doesn't play. Ben Stokes opened the batting with. Joss Butler, and then you go Milan Brook at four, Ali five, Livingston six. Then you've got your bowling all-rounder and either Curran or Willie. Probably Curran because he gives you a little bit probably more with the bat. Then you'd have Wokes or Willie at number eight. And then you've got your three shoe-ins of at, at the start, 
Mark Wood, Alan Rashid, and Reese Topley. So they've got different formulas and a big conundrum on that middle order, and which whether they're going to play the batting all-rounder at seven or they're going to play the bowling all-rounder at seven. Me, personally, the way this side set up, it will be a waste, a little bit of Liam Livingston at number seven. But I think over the course of the whole tournament, if you have got the batting all-rounder at seven and you've got enough bowling, I think you've got enough bowling covered, I think that, for me, is a stronger team with Liam Livingston, Moen Ali at six and seven as the bowling all-rounders. Batting all-rounders, sorry. In Australia, I mean, given that you have to be completely dispassionate and take the names and characters out, you have to select a team based on the requirements. In Australia, with Livingston as a potential, well, as a second spinner, do you need both Moen Ali and Adil Rashid? Possibly not, no, but you don't need Liam. Then you you don't need Liam Livingston. You're playing him as a batsman. For me, you're playing Livingston as a batsman who can bowl an over when a wicket falls and he gets through an over in no time at all, 30 seconds, bang, and there's an over gone out of the game. He can slip one in. There's no way in the world I'm dropping Moen Ali or Adil Rashid. Adil Rashid has been one of the best T20 bowlers of the last sort of five years. Moen Ali's not just an off-spinner. He's got loads of other qualities that comes with it. For me, they're both staying the side. I would, me personally, I'd go down the seven batsmen route. I'd go with Alex Hills because I actually think that it's Alex Hills would be more suited as much as I think Phil Salt's had a, possibly a better Pakistan than, than Alex Hills. I would go with Alex Hills because I think he plays the bouncing ball better than, than Mo, other than Ben Stokes, probably better than the rest of the side. And what I mean by the bouncing ball is he's a tall man. When the ball bounces, he can hit it on the drive, on the bat, on the up, and he pulls off a good length. He pulls off back of a length. So for me, in the power player, I think you, I think I would go with Hills, which means you're probably looking at Livingston at number seven because I don't think they can drop Harry Brook. And you've got to play Ben Stokes. Just before we uh, end this section, I'm, I'm finding myself quite distracted by the excitement and the appeal of uh, Stokes and Butler. Stokes and Butler going out to open the batting, the top of the order. That would be huge. That would be huge. But the way England have been playing, that's the only way you fit Ben Stokes in the team. And a lot of question marks have been about Alex Hills being reintegrated into the group. I don't think they reintegrate, it's easy for me to say, Alex Hills into the the squad if they're not going to pick him. For me the reason why they brought him back in was because they were, they were always going to pick him. And if that's the case, I know they didn't have a crystal ball and thought Harry Brook wouldn't sort of smash it the way he has done. Ben Duckett's another one unlucky. He's not in the squad, but he's unlucky not to be you know, brought in as a, a last minute replacement. But Stokes and Butler at the top of the order. Yes, that's mouthwatering. But I think Stokes at four, Brook at five with heels going in first with Butler. That is a, that is an order for me that would send shockwaves around the world. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Now, research from Booking.com shows that over a quarter of cricket fans state that watching their team win a major tournament would be their main motivation behind travelling across the world to watch live sport as England prepare to travel to Australia to take part in this winter's T20 World Cup. The MCG in Melbourne is ranked as one of the top destinations cricket fans hope to visit, with half of the thousand fans interviewed indicating that they'd be happy to travel over 3,000 miles to watch their team play. New research from Booking.com has found that 44% of cricket fans look to book their trip well ahead of time to get the best deals on offer. Joining us now to discuss this and so much more is England's white ball captain, Joss Butler, Firstly, um, how's the injury going, uh, Joss? How's, uh, how's the rehab? And um, when should England fans expect to see you back in an England shirt? Yeah, hi, uh, things are going well, thanks. Um, so the yeah, injury's coming on well. I'm, I'm feeling good, um, you know, getting back to full fitness. So uh, when we land in Australia, I'll be uh, definitely fully fit. Joss, how's it been from a, a sort of captaincy point of view, having a, a different view from off the fields. I know it was a, a little bit of a whirlwind summer when Owen Morgan sort of stepped aside and, you know, the, the, the one-day series in the, te- in the 2020s were sort of thrust upon you. How much has the sort of gap in between chance to get your head round and then from a different view, watching your team sort of go about their work in Pakistan? 
Yeah, it's been uh, really valuable, actually. Uh, yeah, quite unique sort of situation to be out here as captain, but not being able to play. Um, but certainly just uh, taking a, a back seat and watching guys play and, and talking to the coach um, you know, about how the game is unfolding. Uh, I think Moeen Ali's been absolutely fantastic. You know, stepping in as captain, he's, he's led the team really well and you know, very much said to him, you know, you are captain and I want you to play how you see it and uh, he's very much doing that so uh, and I think it's been really impressed with the way we've played so far we've, we've got um, a few guys coming back from injury a few guys who will meet us in Australia as well who aren't actually here uh, in the World Cup squad but uh, guys have played great I think um, you know, Ben Ducker and, and Harry Brook especially have been fantastic with the bat I've, I've loved watching those guys go about it uh, and it's great to see Woody back um, you know, bowling so fast and you said it said it to Manners a little bit earlier. When you've got real pace, it just does wonders for like batsmen's feet, hands, and head, doesn't it? It's just a completely different game altogether when you've got pace. How important's that for you? And not just having having Mark, where you've Holly Stone, yes, not quite as quick as as Mark, but when you go overseas in these bigger tournaments, pace is valuable. Yeah, it is absolutely. Um, you know, especially I think going into Australia, um, where the you know, going to play on some quick bouncy wickets and um, having that extreme pace, which you know, is going to be a great uh, weapon to be able to try and take wickets. So uh, we know how crucial it is in, in T20s, not just to stem the flow of runs, but you've got to find ways to get people out. And as you mentioned, you know, when people bowl extreme pace, you know, it creates errors uh, and can um, create wickets. Also on the subject of, of travel, um, we look at England's schedule and uh, you know a lot of people talk about how many days of cricket they play, uh, you play, but I, I, I tend to, I mean, I, I travel quite a lot and I'm a bad traveller. It takes me days and days to <laughs> get over an, an overnight flight. And you look at England's schedule this uh, this winter and do you think enough is made of, of the recovery time that people need just to get over the travelling? Um, it's certainly a challenge, I think, on a very professional level. I think, uh, as mentioned, sort of recovery times are uh, especially for the, the bowlers, probably more importantly as well, uh, is crucial. So um, you know, we get really well looked after. We know we're very lucky to to do the sport we love and to travel the world and um, don't want to make it up, sound like it's we don't want to be doing it or it's uh, not a great job to have because it is and, and we're very fortunate. But uh, certainly it's, it's one of the challenges. It'll be a challenge in Australia as well. Obviously such a big country, um, you know, travelling across you know, different time zones in the same country and, and some long flights. You know, I think Brisbane to Perth is about a five-hour flight. So, you know, those things do sort of take some getting over and that's what it's important as individuals and the team that we, we look after ourselves. And from a team point of view, Harry Brooks took the, the sort of world by storm in the last eight months, seven, eight months. How impressed have you been sort of being able to watch from sort of close up from a captaincy point of view and... Is he cementing his place in this side going forward and potentially in that middle order? Yeah, he's been really impressive. Um, I think, as you mentioned, all all summer he's been in all the England squads and and got his test debut at the end of the the summer. And um, and it's been really impressive any time he's around. He practices very diligently. He's got his um, sort of things he likes to tick off. And the thing I love most about watching him back is it looks like he's got options. I think he can hit the ball in all areas around the ground. He never looks like he's fully invested into one shot. He'll sort of react to whatever uh, comes down. He's got an idea in his head and he'll then play accordingly. So he's been really impressive. And and I think as well, um, someone who bats in the middle order, lots of people in T20 cricket around the world, you know, myself, I've gone from the middle up to the top. You know, everyone sort of assumes that's the best place to bat. And certainly numbers five, six, seven are very challenging positions in T20 cricket so to be as consistent as he's being at the minute and uh, play the fashion he does is um, he's playing great there's a lot of talk Joss about England didn't go Pakistan last year what from it looks like from here it looks as though it's been an amazing tour the crowds have been electric the cricket's been fantastic how's it been from a, a team point of view um, embracing what it's something different because England, you know, just shows you my age. I was on the last tour of Pakistan, so it's a, it was a long, long time ago. Um, the difference between then and what the country is now and how has it been for you guys? Yeah, it's been, we've been really well looked after. You know, obviously lots been made of, of coming over. It's obviously some really, you know, visual uh, security things in place that, 
um, you know, seems very over the top. And once you get used to that, it sort of drifts into the background. But um, no, we've been really well looked after. The, the fans in the stadium in, in Karachi were, were great. Obviously, a lot of our guys have, have played in the PSL and you know experienced that before, which is is nice. And, and um, you know, I think we've just really enjoyed it. There's been some good games of cricket. You know, travelled a lot to India. Uh, we know India and Pakistan the sort of you know, that fanatical support of cricket. Uh, and it's very, that's what I'm sort of seeing is very much the same as, as being in India, how much people just love their cricket out here. Joss, uh, England are the best supported uh, team in the world. Obviously, everybody knows that. But according to Booking.com, two out of five England fans say they would happily miss um, a family milestone, like a birthday or a wedding anniversary, in order to watch England play. How does that make you feel? <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Um, but uh, I think it's, um, that's great. We know that uh, we're really well supported. Booking.com's uh, research shows that as well. And uh, I think we're very lucky as England players to, to have such great travelling support. You know, the Barmy Army sort of will travel far and wide um, to support us. I think Australia is probably one of the favourite destinations to travel to. Um, so we very much look forward to seeing uh, lots of England fans in the stadiums. And just a quick one from me, final one from me, um, Joss. Uh, the, the the interaction between domestic T20 leagues around the world and and bilateral cricket um, is obviously there aren't enough months in the year. Are you letting that? Uh, are you leaving that to the administrators? Um, I mean, I, there's a potential, there's a possibility in January when you're signed for the South African, the SA20 league, um, that England could could actually play three one-day internationals are scheduled against South Africa sort of between league matches. It's an extraordinary situation. How, how do you, are you leaving that to administrators or have you got to say in that? Um, no, I think it's very much an administrator's thing, but I think it's very important that players' uh, voices can be heard at some uh, point, but that's with your own boards, etc. cetera. Um, you know, it's certainly a very interesting time for cricket at the minute, I feel. With, um, you know, it's changed a lot over the last... Uh, four or five years and, and looking ahead as to where that change could go. Um, no, so I think it's important that the right people get together and, and um, as you mentioned, work these things out. The franchise leagues are, are popping up all over the place and, and the opportunities of them are fantastic. But you know, I think it's important uh, for all of us to make sure we get the right balance um, between domestic and international cricket. Just finally from me, Joss, you go from Pakistan to Australia. You're going to go, obviously, once you get to Australia, you've got your side. You're not worrying about people coming in or people going out. What's the differences between the Pakistan, any different game plans, the the Pakistan group to going into what will be a very, very tough, intense World T20 on different surfaces? Yeah, I think adapting as quickly as possible to that will will be important, obviously, for the guys here, um, you know, playing the conditions in Pakistan. We know it will be different in Australia. But one thing I've said to the group is very much want us to be a team that plays what's in front of them. So, um, you know, reacts quickly to the conditions, uh, communicates that between each other as to, you know, what's best going to work on, you know, the pitches we're faced with. And, and of course, when we get to Australia, we want that, that to be the same. So the majority of the squad will have played in Australia before, um, be that international cricket or big bash, and um, we'll have had experience of, of those wickets. Um, so, you know, it's very important to adapt as, as fast as we can. Thank you for your time, Captain. And many thanks to England white ball captain Joss Butler and to Booking.com. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll look back at a dramatic final day of the county championship and speak live to Nottinghamshire head coach Peter Moores. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast as always from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm delighted to say, as promised at the top of the show, we're joined live now by Nottinghamshire head coach Peter Moores. Thank you for your time, Peter. Congratulations. I'll tell you what, when Harmy and I were previewing the championship season six months ago, the one thing that we agreed on um, without a word of debate, was that Nottinghamshire were going up because you didn't deserve to be in Division 2. But you got the job done and emphatically, so congratulations. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, it was a really good uh, good reward for a good a good season of solid, consistent performance by the lads, to be fair. And one of the, one of the performers, and talk about sort of a tour to Pakistan coming up, um, one of the performers was Hasim Habib, Habib, who has been in and out of the England stuff, but how how has it been to get his head back in the sort of game? Because he's had a few setbacks, should we say, from the international stuff, and he's gone and had a fantastic season, over twelve hundred runs in a in a winning side. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. Because I think you'll know, like when you often come out of the England team, you, sometimes you have nearly a full season when you can't get your head in the right place because it's such a a sort of um, it deflates you so much. Craig to has he came back and within a couple of weeks wanted to get working. I think. I think you've got to remember with someone like Hasib is he's still only 25. So he's a young man because he played so early. But what I was really impressed was he learned quite a lot there. He, need, he knew he had to adjust his game. It wasn't good enough, I don't think. He knew it wasn't good enough for that level. And I think that was about as tough as it gets. People like, you know, the way Cummings and, and Hazelwood and people bowled on those pitches. But he's adjusted his game. He now stays, what I would say, slightly more left side of the ball. And he's looked to really open his game up. And he's played lovely. He's scored at a good rate played some beautiful shots, always been good to watch. But I think he's changing the way he looks at the game rather than looking to survive and not get out to actually put some pressure back on the bowl. And I think that served him really well. And staying with individuals, somebody who's done brilliantly in Pakistan, but he also had a fantastic summer for you, and that's Ben Duckett. A lot of talk about whether he will be involved in the Pakistan Test Series. You, you're getting a player who, another one who had little bits of international involvement, little bits of setback. What makes Ben Duckett the sort of force that he has been so far in first-class cricket this season and why should he be on the plane of Pakistan? Well, I think he's another, he's another lad. You've got to refine your game. Because you're brilliantly talented and you score some fantastic innings, to be successful internationally, you've got to find a way of, of I think, learning about you. You've been there, Harmy. You've got to learn about yourself. You've got to learn about how your game fits. He's done all that. He's got himself fit. He's an aggressive player. He's always been a brilliant talent. Um, and what we've seen this year is... He scored runs across all three formats. So to watch him go in Pakistan and people see what we've seen for the last couple of years in, in short form in 2020, I hope he gets a chance test match-wise now because he's he's tidied his game up because the hard bit about batting in test match is getting to that first 20 or 30 balls to start with to get in. Um, he will look to put it back on the bowler and I think that fits with the style that England are playing under Brendan. Um, so I think he looks a good fit. So, you know, he might have to wait his time. But the Pakistan tour feels like a good fit because he's such a good player of spin and they're going to get a lot of that in those middle overs. 
Peter, just before we move on to your views on the high performance review from Sir Andrew Strauss and the proposals in it, I just thought I'd forewarn you. I want to ask you about two two other individuals. I mean, every successful team uh, needs a successful captain. And I think um, you've got a very, very special man in Steve Mullaney. Um, so a, a word about him. And also um, Stuart Broad um, being so keen to play in the last game with the with the title on the line. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with Brody because I think I'll leave Steve to last because he's had a fantastic year. I mean, Brody, I think what summed him up was I got, we just beaten by Worcester and the Worcester played fantastically well. Loads of credit to them. Uh, they out-batted out bowlers and we, I think, went in there. We'd had a 12-day gap. And in some ways, it nearly had felt a bit, to me anyway, like the season was sort of was winding down. And I think we got there. We just got hit by Worcester, who were very hungry to play and played better than we did. Uh, but I got on the coach on the way back and the first thing I got was a ping on my phone. And I looked down, it was Stuart Broad just saying, listen, not sure where things are at, but I just, you know, I'm available, I'm keen, I'd love to play if, if you need me for the last game. And that was exactly the sort of message you're hoping you're going to get from your international talisman type bowler. And credit to him, he came in and he was everything you'd want him to be. Um, he's a natural leader. He doesn't have to be given the captaincy band for that. He led that attack. He bowled really well, but he enjoyed it. He wanted to play cricket in the way that he has been playing it. He came in and we played in that style and it was great to have him on board, really. And Steve, I can't give Steve enough credit because Steve's first year was about the toughest year you can get in 19 when we didn't win a game. And we'd signed some players. We, we brought a lot of players through and trying to do bring young players into a side. I, I look at some of the sides now, some like Sussex and whatever, they're bringing young players through. They're going to be inconsistent. It's going to be tough. You're going to lose games. And we, we lost some confidence. We couldn't win a game. And Steve rode it all the way through, kept his calm and whatever. And he's come out this season. We've got a great team. He's played well himself, batting and bowling. And he deserves all the accolades he gets. And we get on to the, the elephant that's in a lot of people's rooms, the, the high-performance review. We had Bats on, our very own Gareth Batty, who obviously won the championship with Surrey. He said he never got um, any had any discussion with anybody involved in that high-performance review, which disappointed him as a county coach. Um, were you spoken to? Have you had a good chance to, to review it? What do you think? Is it something that... There are good parts like me. I think there's some good parts to it. I think there's some average parts to it as well. But, you know, Peter Moores, who's been in the game for a long, long time, what was your initial thoughts of it? Yeah, well, I didn't ask, I'm a bit like bats. I didn't get asked. And I think that was, I still think that was a mistake not to ask more people who've been in the game for a reasonable length of time. Because I think the one thing about it is it's not just about high performance. It never has been just about high performance. So if you want to know about high performance, you're going to ask your day or break. Dave Brailsford, those sort of type people, because that's their speciality. But this is county cricket's always been about more than that. It's been about development of players to get ready to play for England, about the community, about the clubs. And the development side of thing is is the thing because no one's ever come out of county cricket, I don't think, a ready-made England player. You have to learn that as you go in with the England team. The key is to give people an opportunity to learn the game, to be good enough to get a chance to get in there and then move that into that. Thing. And I think it still does that. I think we've seen that with someone like a Harry Brook. We've seen it with a Gleeson as an older player, Luke Wood. There's lots of players still coming out of county cricket. So I don't really see, I see the main issue being it's not just about high performance, about winning games of cricket. It's about the public being able to understand this, for starters. Peter, I'm genuinely curious about this idea that less cricket somehow automatically means better cricket. And and as you said, it's not all about about high performance. It's about it is about the counties. And it seems to me that the less involved players and administrators are in county cricket, the more they appear to obviously to be detached from it. Um, and is county cricket all about and only about an England team that's winning? And but back to that question: does does less cricket mean better cricket? No, not necessarily at all. Um... I think what, what we know in the in the game now, the biggest danger is we don't get people who I, I... Two sorts of players for me. There's what I would say technically brilliant players and there's games players, people who can play the game. You always want a games player. You want somebody who can read a situation, who can assess what's going on and find a way of adapting to that and make it work. It's what I love about, you know, Stuart Broad is a tactician. He's a brilliant bowler, but he's a tactician. The way he sets his field, the way he adjusts what he bowls from a seamer to a leg cutter to a wobble seam, he's got a way. Now, those players, you need to play games to do that. 
and that is a balance. Now, I think with a high-performance review, you, you've got a challenge because you can't fit four comps into our summer. You know, I played all the way through with the beds and the edges and the four comps. We couldn't make it fit. Um, I don't see why now it would fit. So something's going to be compromised. So we're going to lose some cricket somewhere. The question is where you're going to lose that cricket from because the 100 now is being protected as that's going to sit where it sits and agree or disagree with the 100, that's up to other people. But then it means that something else is going to have to give somewhere, I think, to make it fit around that because there's not enough weeks otherwise in the summer. Yeah, I get that. And my biggest beef is always, Peter, that we lose the ashes and we we our world's ending. You know, we play far too much cricket. We can't. We need to play with a cougar ball. The Aussies are the same. We we beat the Aussies. We've got to play. We've got to play with a juke ball. The one biggest thing that I found over the course of the last couple of years was the pitches were poor, and then that makes for for, for poor cricket, really poor cricket. Now, the pitches this year seem to have been, and you tell me better because you've been on them, but the pitches seem to have been a lot better this year. Hence, we've got a lot more players getting over 1,000 runs. We've got a lot more quick bowlers getting over 50, around 50 wickets. Is it as simple as that? We need to protect our four-day cricket, which if we play on good pitches and we protect four-day cricket and not neglect it, we'll get better quality. You've certainly got to protect four-day cricket because, I mean, the first thing you've, you've got to remember now is we, we're the side when, when the rest of the world plays, we've got a winter. So our lads play more, well, I would say, 2020 franchise cricket than most countries because we're available. Mm-hmm. So they need to play in our country often red ball cricket to make sure if we want to keep that side of the game going. I don't think the pitch were ever as bad as people talked about the pitches in county cricket. They never have been as bad as that. There's always certain grounds that have got pitches that have got challenges and, and don't get it right. And you've got to be careful with that. This year, the pitches were better generally, but the ball was very different to the old Duke. Um, the quarter seemed to start with kept coming apart, so it didn't move. Um, it got soft, it had to be changed a lot. Um, so we had quite a lot of issues, I think, um, with the ball. My worry with pitches is we start saying a good pitch is something where uh, 500 plays, 500 plays, 400 plays a draw. You know, I think the high, one of the higher marks we got was on a pitch where it was a stone cold draw from day one. We got it wrong. It was too flat in some ways. And that's nothing against Steve. It just one of those pitches. He's, our groundsman, Steve Burke's had a brilliant year. But that probably got one of the better marks. And, and the challenge to me is it's a bit like a player playing a situation. A good cricket pitch means it will go four days and be exciting to watch for the crowd, for the fans and the players to play in. And it will challenge batters at different times. Because if it doesn't challenge a batter, when he goes up a level and he faces a six foot five quick, he is going to get challenged. Peter, I always like to ask two questions in one just to, just to get them in. So a quick word about Alex Hales and then... Back to the high performance review, if I, if I may. You know, the, the a lot of it, a lot of the content is is very sensible, and I'm sure will be voted through without a word of dissent by the vast majority of the counties. But the idea of a a six team first division with two conferences of six below that, Harmy and I cannot see a way that that can work. Well, I go to Alex Hales first. You know, I'm really pleased to see him back in. I mean, I've I've coached Alex a long time now, and then. You know, I think one of the biggest accolades Alex got was when he's voted the vitality bass, the best vitality bass player ever, I think, by all the people who played Nats. The public love to watch him play. Our fans look to watch him play. He's a brilliant player now. And around our team, he's been fantastic. You know, ask any of our youngsters who do they want to back with, it's always Alex Hales. And if I ask them why, they say, well, he's calm. He, you always feel he believes in you as a player. And he's, a, he's got a really good cricket brain, Alex, I think, which is something that's a bit misunderstood. He reads the game brilliantly. So, you know, how he played in Pakistan, he started to show what he can do. And you know with Alex, there's, there's a bandwidth. It never gets that bad anymore. He can have a really brilliant tournament or bad, but the top flight players, and in those global tournaments, you need those players where their bandwidth between their good and their poor is very small. So they're always going to be players. And every now and then you'll get a Joss Butler, for instance, who's on fire and he's going to win you the game. But even at his worst, he's still a, he's still a brilliant player. Um, so I'm really pleased for him. I think he did really well. I think it'll be a fantastic, it was a fantastic trip for him to go on before the World Cup to settle back in with the team and get some of those things out of the way that need to get out in teams. So you just settle down. Second question on the review was. Six team first division with two six two conferences. Yeah, below. I mean, listen on that on that. I think the one thing the two divisional structure did it created intensity, and with that, it created intensity which started to go in there. Now, how they're going to fit that? I think, I think what they've done now they've created a window of time where they can have those proper debates with people in the game. 
of how it's best going to fit. Because I think, man, is like you, it's a bit bigger than just pulling in, this will put the best against the best. Well, people have got to move to those clubs to start with. How do you get out? So it, it needs really good debate. I'd love to be sitting in a room at some time you would talk about it because it's not an easy fit for all these things. And finally, for me, um, I don't know whether, whether you'll feel obliged to say yes, of course, but have you got the squad to, to challenge for the first division title next year? Or, are you, or do you need to, are you looking to strengthen up in a few areas? You always look the areas you might need. I think we've got a squad that's strong enough because of the year before. The year before we played against quite a few of the teams that have done really well in the first division this year, people like Lanks and whatever, and we and we beat them and we did well. So I think our side is a good team. I think we've lost two or three players. We've developed a lot of players over the last six, five, six years, of which we've lost a couple because we, we can't get them all on the team at the same time. But I think that's really good for us because I think to be competitive in that first division, you need depth in the squad. And I think the good the teams that have done well, you also need a real couple of uh, what I would say jet cricketers. And I think we've seen the very top teams have had that, you know, the way Hampshire have played. Credit to Surrey, they've done a really consistent quality performance for a season. They deserve everything they get. And your winter, what's what's it what's lined up? Well, at the moment, not a lot apart from, I say not a lot, we, we pride ourselves on our winters at home, really. We do a lot of work with the lads, but we're very skill-based in how we do it. You know, we want them to get fit and train, but it's a chance certainly for some of those, what I would say, younger players to really pick parts of their game they want to work at. And it's not like the, the commentators say, we sit there doing your elbow up, doing this. You put situations and scenarios for the lads to play and that gets them ready to play in all sorts of different things, which is great fun. Peter, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, winter well, and we look forward to next summer. Thanks, mate. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Just a reminder that we'll bring you more live cricket on Thursday on TalkSport 2 with ball-by-ball commentary of the ODI series between India and South Africa. Okay, um, Harmy, we've got to talk about uh, Warwickshire, the Bears, where I started my broadcasting career in the late 1980s. I've always uh, retained a a very, very strong loyalty to to Warwickshire, but I was absolutely convinced, as I think most of their fans were, that they were going down um, as they entered the last day of the final round of the championship uh, against Hampshire. Truly, truly one of the extraordinary stories of the season happening on the last day, the last ball of the uh, of the championship season. And my favourite thing about Liam Norwell's 9 for 62 is the way he tried to take himself off. He's after, what is it, after eight overs, he said, I, I'm done. He went to Will Rhodes and said, I'm done. And apparently Will Rhodes and Dom Zibley came over and said, no, you're not, son. <laughs> no, you're not. You, you were on the verge of an England call-up in March. Yeah, you are one of our best bowlers in county cricket. We need to win to win the champ uh, to stay up in the championship. You're going to bowl until this game's finished. I've had captains say that to me many times before. A little fella from Tasmania once told me if I didn't bowl, if I bowled a ball once in Darren Lehman's half, he would take me off. So it was like, what, Booney? You want me to bowl bounces at him all day? He said, yeah. So Liam Norwell, you got told to bowl all day, and it's a good job you did, Tom, because. I don't think Warwickshire would be um, would be in the first division if it wasn't the case. And following it on on the stream now, it's it's amazing now what you can see. Um, there was nearly seventeen thousand following it on or viewing on that on that stream to see the end of the championship come to a head. Um, and what a story from from Liam Norwell. A lot of people have seen he's been injured, but the circumstances that I found out and why he was injured makes it all more special for me because. You know, fast bowlers do get injured, but he got a back injury because he slept in a hospital chair for a large proportion of sort of April and May because he's, his newborn son, I think it was, was was poorly. And that makes it all more special for me. Um, the human element of stories like that just just make they sort of lump in your throat. So not just well done at Warwickshire, but well done Liam because Liam thought his season was over. He managed to get himself in a position to play in the last game, and it was a good job. Will Sib- uh, Dom Sibley and Will Rhodes said, "No, you're always one. You've been missing the most this season." And boy, did he did he um, did he repair them, and, and good for him. And yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, Liam Norwell can resurrect where he's been prior to the sort of last six months, which was on the cusp of an England call-up. I was one of the seventeen thousand people who watched uh, the last 
the last hour or so, and I can tell you, Harmy, ever since uh, the mobile phones and iPads were invented, every time my wife has said, could you get off your iPad, please? I've done as I'm told. But this time, <laughs> this time I said, no, start supper without me. Yeah, you can start. Yeah, you can start your tea without me. But the one person who was desperate for his tea was the groundsman, because I don't think <laughs> William Norwell had got to the wicketkeeper before the umpire had put his finger up to give Mahmoud a bass out. The, the groundsman was on the field. Come on, we've got pitches to get sorted from April next year. Brilliant. That was a priceless. That's up there with John Terry standing with his full kit on with a with a Champions League trophy, that one. A word about Yorkshire then. Um, and we, we have to talk about Joe Root uh, accepting the invitation to play in the Alfred Dunhill links um, rather than play in a game that Yorkshire needed to, to win. So, I mean, that that story has got a lot of a lot of legs. Um, it's got a lot of airplay and. Uh, uh, and coverage in the written media. And I think there's a, a lot of people who, who are misunderstanding the situation. David Hopps wrote uh, a particularly honest piece, I thought, for Crick Info about the situation. The, the the reality is that Joe Root plays cricket for England. And, you know, even though he's one of Yorkshire's favourite sons, Yorkshiremen understandably would be frustrated and, and will be- believe that he should have he should have been playing for Yorkshire. But um, I'll tell you what, Alfred Dunhill links... Final game of the championship at the end of September. <laughs> I know what you'd choose. Yeah, I'd have gone play in the golf. I would have played golf as well because that's where my path had run. You know, we we heard we heard Stuart Broad ring up Peter Moores and say, "I, I want to play." Stuart Broad's not going to go. I don't think Stuart Broad's going to go to Pakistan. Molly's due at the end of November. Stuart Broad's had the West Indies off. Stuart Broad has had time in the last three years where Stuart Broad wasn't playing international uh, test match cricket. Joe Root's been the England captain for nearly five years. Joe Root's been around the world carrying this England cricket team, sometimes on his back by himself, India, Sri Lanka. You know, the way he batted in, you where know, he carried us in, in a debacle of the ashes. You know, the Caribbean, you know, th- throughout this summer. Joe Root has carried this cricket team by himself. I've seen Joe Root in the Caribbean, and I've known Joe Root since he was 18-year-old. And I looked at Joe Root there and I thought he looked poorly. He looked, he looked as though he'd lost a lot of weight. He looked as though he had the world on his shoulders. And I'm not, not going to hide it. And I've, I've said this in public. I, I encourage him to give the captaincy up because I thought it was doing him so much harm than it, than it is better. And he comes out at the end of it and he, he said, he actually said to me, no, no, no. While the team still wants me and while the team still needs me, I will give it to the team. That is what Joe Root is is about as a person and as a player. And he's carried himself unbelievable for England over the course of the last five years, you know, a lot of the time by himself. So Yorkshire have played 13 first-class matches this season and found themselves in a position of which Joe's only played two or three. They've got themselves relegated. Joe Root being available, yes, it would have helped, but Yorkshire have got themselves relegated. That Yorkshire have played... Haven't played well enough over 14 games to stay in the championship, the Division One championship. You know, you don't get relegated because one man decides that he's not going to play. Yorkshire have found themselves in a predicament throughout this summer and they started very, very well, but they just couldn't win games. That's why they've got relegated. Not because Joe Root's gone up to play golf with Michael Vaughan and Piers Morgan and whoever up in, at the Alfred Dunhill. Joe Root is an England centrally contracted player who will go to Pakistan and try and win cricket matches for England, go to New Zealand and try and win cricket matches for England and then try and win the Ashes for England. He might play for Yorkshire a couple of times in between and Yorkshire have got to be thankful that they get a chance to have that. But for me, to have any criticism towards that lad, don't don't throw it at Joe Root because he's the best cricketer that we've ever produced. And for me, if you want to start throwing stones at him, that for me is just totally wrong. The name you couldn't remember there, the fourth member of Joe Root's four ball, by the way, wasn't whoever else. It was yeah, Kevin it was, Peterson. It was this, it, but he wasn't. I was. I was. I was about to say the best player that we've ever produced was playing alongside, probably the best player we've ever had because we didn't produce him. <laughs> he was. He was produced not far from where you are. <laughs> <laughs> Let's very quickly go back to Warwickshire, um, because Liam Norwell's nine for sixty-two will live long in the memory um, and will be become part of Warwickshire folklore. But um, I, I, we have to mention Oliver Hannan Dolby and also Don Sibley, 
who has been playing for Warwickshire for two months, the last two months, having announced that he's going back to Surrey next year. Not only did he score runs in both innings, particularly in, in the second innings, I mean, because Norwell wouldn't have been able to do what he did without Dom Sibley's runs. But Sibley still so committed to, to the Warwickshire cause, even though he's left the club. Um, yeah, and that was he. He was part of the you know conversation to persuade. Well, not persuade, order Norwell to carry on bowling. And that's where you hear about Sibley's. Dom Sibley just had one had one issue. He just kept nicking it just in and around that off stump. Everything else that you looked at, Dom was was ideal for the makeup to be an international cricketer. His temperament was very good. Mindset going in, you know, he was he was fit. He was quite strong as a, as a mentally as a character. He just had one technical flaw, which doesn't help you when you're playing against good bowlers. That you nick off just outside off stump, which he, he looks as though he's he's improved on. But the thing from from that point of view, no matter where you were signed for Surrey or you signed for Warwickshire, you've got you've got a care and a duty to your to your teammates to be the best person, best player you 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 can be, and unfortunately that Warwickshire are going to lose him to Surrey and the lure of back to London was always going to be the case, but he's left them in a, he's left them still in the first division. And we've heard Peter Moles talk about Hasim Hamid not long ago. And he, he talked about when you come out of international cricket, it's normally a year or two where you soul search, you get yourself back into a bit of form, you get yourself back into the mindset of trying to force yourself back into international cricket. And Dom Sibley's trying to do that. Unfortunately, at the minute, he's not far away. I don't think from the conversation, um, but when you have a character like that in your group, people will say, how was Warwickshire in that situation in the first place? Well, probably the fact that Liam Norwell missed most of the season. No Tim Bresnan, I think, was huge for them this year. Oliver Harrandolby has been magnificent with the wickets. He's got over 50 wickets in the first division and a flat one at, at Warwickshire. Um, I think another bowler, and I think Warwickshire might not have been in the position that they were in. But good luck to Sibley for continuing to try and keep Warwickshire in the first division and obviously all the best when he goes to Surrey because that's going to be a fight to get into that team as well because Rory Burns and Young Patel have been fantastic for the Brown Hatters, you know, this in a championship winning season. So it's not as though he's going to walk into a straight walk into a side. He's going to, he's going to have his you know, work cut out to make sure he forges. He's got to be in good form when he goes down to, to the Oval. As always, we're running out of time and I've still got five things on my list to talk to you about. So I'll throw them all at you and see what see what you come back to me with. Um, Stephen Patterson retiring from the game, age 38. Sean Massoud um, was one of the most impressive guests we've ever had on the Cricket Collective. We spoke to him, I think, a couple of times, didn't we, in the early on in the season when he was scoring all those runs for Derbyshire. And he's um, a clever piece of pilfering by Yorkshire, I think, to uh, nab him uh, as, as club captain. He'll be going up there. He's uh, got um, he'll have a, a big job on his hands, but Yorkshire all know who the captain will be next season. And, and Sean, I guess, can, can can spend the, the off season looking around and getting to know the club. And, you know, so he'll be able to hit the ground running next season. Yeah, that's huge. It's, it's, it's a disappointing end for Pato because he's a great lad. He's honestly, if you've got Steve Patterson on your side in a dressing room, you've got one of the best. He's a, he's a lovely human being. He's got a care and nature as a captain. That was thrust upon him. He took it all on his shoulders and fair play to him. You've got no idea. I was there for, for 10 weeks at the start of the summer and Stephen Patterson was a was a hero for me in that in that time because he wanted to know what was going on to make sure the players knew where they stood and you know, honesty was, was a big thing. And um, it's just unfortunate that his time finishes where, where Yorkshire get relegated. Uh, he's been a great servant for that cricket club. He really has. Um, and uh, where he fits, does he fit into coaching? I'm not so sure um, where he goes from there. But I wish him every success in, in his future because he's a he is a he's a good lad and a good friend. Um, Shah Masood, yes, you're right. He's got to hit the ground running because Yorkshire will have to bounce back because next year is a little bit of a free hit because the year after nobody knows what's going to happen the year after whether it's three conferences whatever with two divisions Yorkshire are big they're too big of a county to be in the bottom division so they will have to get yeah motoring and making sure that they're in a position to 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 really sort of be a driving force like Knott's were throughout this season um who else what else Riyad Ahmed 
nice little touch towards the selectors going to Pakistan as the third spinner. He got, you know, didn't get any wickets, but he got a hundred first class hundred, which was was great to see. Well, Leicester, stick with Leicester very quickly because um, Claude Henderson's just been appointed yeah. as director of cricket, um, and it was their fifth winless season in the last eight. I made a note and I'm, I'm writing like a doctor at the moment, so I can't read my own handwriting. But so again, a, a winless season for them. Rian Ahmed is the latest in a, a production line, that, which has been successful producing young cricketers. But, you know, how long is it before Rian Ahmed gets snapped up by one of the bigger counties? I mean, that's one of the reasons that uh, Leicestershire struggle. It's not because uh, they're not producing cricketers, but <laughs> they keep leaving. Yeah. And that's that, unfortunately, that's, the, the nature of the of the beast, and I think there's a lot of the likes of Leicestershire, Derbyshire, so six, Northampton have had that. They were a transfer a transfer fee coming into it, a transfer system coming into it might be the the push that they've got to say to the ECB. Well, if we produce them and somebody comes and nicks them, we want some compensation for that. And I think they'll be well within their rights to do it because Leicester have lost some excellent players throughout their time. Like so James Taylor went on to, to play for England, the biggest one, one of the best cricketers that we've ever produced. And Stuart Broad went on and and it looks like this young man, you know, leg spinner, he looks as though he's got something about him and he's just, well, he's about to turn 18 or he's in around 18 mark. I think one of the big counties will come and knock on his door very, very soon. So it's unfortunate for, for Leicester. But um, while, you, while you've got Paul Nixon on your side, you will always produce cricketers because a man with huge amount of enthusiasm to want to work and make players better, uh, Nico will, will keep driving Leicester forward. OK, finally, uh, Jasper Boomerah is uh, apparently on the verge of being ruled out of the T20 World Cup. But the final word I'm going to leave um, to you, as always, um, because I want to ask you about uh, the likes of David Milan saying that he backs the idea of uh, less championship games. He thinks that'll lead to more intensity and give players more time to prepare. He's played 10 championship games in the last three years. I just wonder whether those players who need to play less cricket like Stuart Broad, do you remember the beginning of the season? He said, I'm not going to play the first two games because I know that I need to. He knows his body. He knows his preparation. So those players who need to play less cricket, play less cricket. Doesn't mean to say that everybody needs to play less cricket, does it? No, and that's that's the thing that, well, it doesn't annoy me because it's, you know yes, it's it coming. Well, it does, it, it, a little bit it does, but you know it's coming. You have Josh Butler and David Milan, two superstars of the white ball game saying that the, the less cricket is more. Yes, less cricket is more for you, but not for everybody else. And somebody's got to get to you. You have played, that's the thing that it really annoys me that, well, I've just said it doesn't annoy me, but it does annoy me. So I'm contradicting myself yet again. So before anybody has a go at me for that. But you've got, you got to the place you were at now and you're wanting to play less cricket because you played more cricket when you were 18, 19, 20, 21, trying to forge your way into the game. We still need to play more cricket because we still need to produce players. We still, they're not instant players. Players, Peter Moore's just told you, nobody goes into international cricket. Not even the great Joe Root went into international cricket, the finished article. Where did Joe Root come from? He came from playing from first-class cricket, the bottom rung all the way through to get to there. So if Josh Butler and David Milan thinks it's a good idea to play less cricket, to make them better, then they play less cricket. Not a problem with that. You just stay where you are playing less cricket because you're doing a fantastic job doing that. But the likes of Riyad Ahmed that we're talking about and many, many others under the age of 23, trying to get themselves into the international game, have got to play a good amount of cricket to learn about the game, learn about themselves and learn about how they play a team sport, which is very, very tough emotionally, mentally and physically to give them the best chance to succeed when they get to where you are, Josh Butler and David Milan. Great to see you in a T-shirt, mate, because uh, <laughs> you're not going to be wearing that next week, are you? <laughs> no, I'll be having a hat, scarf and big gloves on. <laughs> enjoy Lanzarote you've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up you can download the podcast as always from the following on feed now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be back at the same time next week the show always goes on to look back at the week's biggest stories but for now this has been the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 